great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... Welcome to the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Value Home Centers. So we had our final OTAs practice today and the drill usually is I go out to practice. We interview players. We got to talk to Jaquan Jones today, Tavon Austin, Tremaine Edmonds, Boogie Basham. Once that's done, I hustle back into the media room, write up my observations report, which is live right now at Syracuse.com. Go check it out. And then I, I, I hustle home. And I, I did all of that. I even fit in a Danger and Bataglia sports bar uh, radio hit on the drive home. And I scheduled this for four o'clock because I want to get this out to you guys as soon as possible. But of course, uh, we were up against it, Ryan Talbot. And uh, we ju- I think we just beat the buzzer, which is impressive. We are brought to you by Value Home Centers. Right now, they are running uh, an awesome contest. They got We've been telling you about this grand opening uh, for the newest value in Bath, New York. Well, right now, go over to their Instagram page, Value Home Centers. Uh, search it out. You can enter to win one of 36 $250 value gift cards to b- put towards that big home project. Or, you know, maybe you just want to collect a, a, a bunch of items that you've been eyeing in the stores. You can get uh, complete contest details right now. Visit uh, valuehomecenters.com or visit your neighborhood value and they'll get you up to speed. One of 36, 36 $250 gift cards, right? Now, that's 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 some nice. Uh, you can do some damage with one of those bad boys. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, you know, I shared that on my story on Instagram. I saw you shared it as well. So uh, Bill's Mafia, get in on that raffle. You got to be in it to win it. And like Matt said, one big purchase, maybe a, a Weber grill, uh, maybe something to fix up the house. Who knows? But go sign up, get in that raffle and maybe you'll be one of those 36 winners. All right, so we are going to get into practice. Like I mentioned, my full observations, 1,400 words. I typed them all up, and I posted them on the website, and I am going to start today's show with Kyir Elam, Ryan Talbot, because I think if we're talking about from a defensive perspective, on the defensive side, we'll get into who wasn't there, but Von Miller wasn't there today. Not a surprise. You know, veteran guy, last week of OTAs, probably be back from any camp. Uh, Shaq Lawson wasn't there, another uh, uh, veteran guy as well. You start to look around that defense, and the guy that I think fans are going to start to key in on here over the next couple months as we move towards training camp is Kyrie Elam. And with Tredavious White still out, there are just tons of opportunities to get a really good long look at him. And I, I think we should start with what I thought was probably his best play of the day. He did most of his work in team drills against Gabriel Davis. We'll get into some of those uh, matchups in a moment, but his best play of the game came in a rep where he lost. They were running some seven on seven at the beginning of practice. Uh, Marquez Speedy Stevenson absolutely just beat him off the line. He blew by him, got past him in his route. uh, And, a lot of times you see those, it's kind of like your cornerback. You're like, man, I just got blown out. You're mad. You're out of the play. You kind of just kind of jog it to the finish line. Elam didn't do that, man. Like immediately I noticed he was probably angry about getting beat, turned on the afterburners, caught up to Stevenson 
And once he did, he challenged the play. It was a 50-50 ball at that point. Maybe not a true 50-50 ball, but he got his hands in there. There was some physical, uh, a physical exchange. Stevenson ends up coming down with the ball. But you learn something about the kid, Elam, who obviously is this, you know, uh, hard-nosed, tough dude, loves to practice, but goes out there and makes a play on, on one of those plays where, you know, he got beat and probably could have acted like that uh, within the play. Yeah, and listen, this is the time for, I don't want to say mistakes to be made, but this is a learning experience for Kyrie Elam. You mentioned your article, Matt, he's used to playing press coverage. You want to get him off a little bit in that kind of coverage to get him different looks because in the NFL, you're not always going to be uh, right up against wide receivers. Sometimes you're going to give them space. Sometimes off the snap, you're going to get beat. You know, a different team, different scenario, but Steve Spagnuolo was recently said, you know, there's going to be a lot of mistakes on this defense early in the season because there's so many new faces. Bases. There's going to be a lot of mistakes for these younger players that are inserted into this defense that have bigger roles just because it's it's a learning experience. And now is the time for him to make those mistakes. Uh, then, obviously, training camp, preseason. Then, hopefully, by the start of the regular season, all those mistakes, you know, they, they kind of go away they're, or they're few and far between. But to be beat by someone that has unreal speed like Stevenson, one of the fastest receivers on this team, it's not a shock. But again, learning experience, he'll learn from it. We saw on on, uh, Embedded how he has a little notebook. I'm sure he jotted a note down on that play, what happened, and he'll learn and he'll be better for it. Some other plays in practice. uh, We'll get to the the one where maybe there are some struggles. And like you mentioned, there's going to be those plays. It's not a big deal. But he was matched up most of the day on Gabriel Davis where, listen, Josh Allen finds Gabriel Davis, the, the chemistry that's that's there, and he just puts one on a laser. Uh, and one of the things Leslie Frazier talked about was, you know, this is a good opportunity for Kyrie Elam, who played predominantly press man coverage in college, to work on his off coverage a little bit, get back in space a little bit, learn how to kind of read and trust your eyes a little bit more. Because that's one of the big things that Levi Wallace talked about over the course of his, you know, tenure, heavy press at Alabama, kind of worked on becoming that off corner with the bills. And one of those things is you got to trust what you see and react. And that, and all of these reps are going to be chances for him to do that. Uh, the one rep where it looked like it, it was a miscommunication between uh, Matt Milano and Elam. And it ended up with Devin Singletary out on the you know short right. And, and Josh Allen just floating one to him at the end of a drive where he just kind of walks in for a touchdown. And after the play, it looked like Milano and Elam were talking back and forth, like what just happened? Gabriel Davis walked by and kind of pointed at one of them. Uh, you know, definitely some trash talk happening out there. But I thought for the most part, if I was evaluating Elam's day, I probably noticed him on five different routes. And I thought he held up pretty well. Some of those plays, like you just, you got to go through your fundamentals. You got to make certain plays. But I, I thought he was pretty solid there uh, as we head into mandatory minicamp next week. Yeah, encouraging that he's contesting the plays that he's in on the plays. And soon those 50-50 balls that maybe go for catches will be past breakups. Maybe he'll jump around, get an interception. So uh, encouraging sign nonetheless for the Bills' first-round pick. Indeed. And while we're on the topic here, uh, I mentioned Marquez Stevenson on the top, at the top. We could kind of stay right there and discuss him a little bit because this is a guy that you know, had two weeks where it was just a little bit lackluster, right? Some drops, some iffy kind of stuff with his hands. And on that play in particular where he beat Elam in the seven on seven. And like, you know, if you're not familiar with seven on seven, there's no pass rush. So the quarterback kind of just stands there, uh, let some of these routes develop. And one of the ones was Stevenson and Elam one-on-one and Stevenson beat him. He made the catch. It was, there was, it was contested at the end. He held onto the ball all the way through and he got up and he, 
threw the ball in kind of like a, a, a big release. And you could tell that maybe there was, there's been some frustration on his part and he was really locked in throughout practice. Yeah. I think he made a couple more plays in 11 on 11 where he secured a couple catches. And those are, those are big signs. The more, you know, um, confidence that he can build over the course of, you know, the next mo- couple months are going to be big as he gets into those preseason games where those that's really going to be his audition. You know, the Bills bring in Tavon Austin. We'll talk about him in a little while. I mean, we can maybe transition to him as well. I thought he was really good at the podium today. Hearing from him and what this this opportunity means for him. Uh, we got to talk to Brandon Bean as well. Uh, but with, you know, bringing in a guy like Tavon Austin, it's not necessarily competition directly for Stevenson, but that's another veteran guy in that room now, Ryan, that it muddies the waters a little bit. Yeah, it's a numbers game. And someone in the chat, Pops Mafia, said, so Stevenson's going to make the team now. Uh, we don't know. He, he's one of those guys that are competing for one, maybe two roster spots because the top of this wide receiver depth chart is so solid with Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Obviously, uh, you have guys like Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, and the list goes on. There's there's some other really good options there. But at the very bottom, Stevenson's going to be fighting for one or two spots. Uh, Tavon Austin's going to be fighting for one or two spots. So Stevenson, it's really important first with him to put these days together and not just have one here or there. He's got to string them together now. He's got to have multiple practices in a row where he shows consistency as the summer wears on. Tavon Austin, uh, veteran, been around the league for quite some time now. I saw someone say, you know, I didn't even know Austin was still in the league after the Bills had signed him. He was in Jacksonville. It's easy to forget about players that are in Jacksonville. Uh, but the speed's still there. Brandon being alluded to it today. He has punt return experience. So when you're vying for that final spot, little, every little thing counts. And, it, you know, when it comes down to Stevenson and Austin, while it's not like you said, those two fighting for the same job or one spot necessarily, there's other guys in the mix too. Everything's going to matter. And if one of them is much better than the other as a returner this summer, that's might have the ultimate say in who ends up winning that final roster spot. You know, I started to look imagine the receiving core over the last couple of days. And, you know, we reacted to the news of Austin on the podcast last week. But I've kind of maybe had a different view of it as I've really thought it through. And one of the things that I th- the things that I think have been established now, if you as you look at this position in the depth chart, it's Stefan Diggs at one, it's Gabriel Davis at two, and that's where we really we know those things to be true, right? After that, I think there's some room for projection. And with Cole Beasley, his role is most likely going to be assumed by Jamison Crowder, and he had a big day today. It's you could tell like. Jamison Crowder signing, you know, a couple months ago, maybe finally getting comfortable with the playbook. Tavon Austin said today, this is the most, this is the hardest offense he's ever seen. Most people have said that. Even Emmanuel Sanders said that last year when he came into town. And we know that Ken Dorsey is keeping a lot of that, you know, the same year over year, probably adding some new nuance to it. But the the core of the playbook, the core of the system and the philosophy, primarily the same. And so after those two, those two guys, there's a lot of projection. Crowder at potentially the Beasley role. Ryan, I'm starting to think that maybe Isaiah McKenzie, and this comes from nothing that I've seen, just as like an idea of how they maybe can use him. I wonder if Davis moves into that Sanders role and an elevated role, right? A a true wide receiver too, where there's nobody really on his heels. And Isaiah McKenzie fills into that do a little bit everything Gabriel Davis role from the last couple of years. And then potentially you can have a Tavon Austin or a Marquez Stevenson, maybe both fit into those gadget roles, get a little bit creative with how you want to use them week to week. 
the more I thought about it and hearing Brandon Bean talk about how impressed he was with the workout that Tavon Austin did uh, last week for the Bills, there could be real opportunity here for Tavon Austin. Maybe not so much on game day, a lot of balls to go around, a lot of miles to feed. But in terms of making the 53-man roster, I think I'd give him a real solid chance at this point. And that's fair because as you get further and further down that depth chart to wide receiver six, possibly wide receiver seven, there's a lot of question marks and and there's a lot of unknowns. And Austin, um, you you know, he's never been necessarily a pure wide receiver, especially early on in his days with the Rams. He was a gadget guy. He ran the ball a lot. He had some pass catches. He, He was a return guy, but he can still do all that. He still has all that speed. So you're right. He could assume uh, a little bit of that Isaiah McKenzie uh, role from last year in the last few years. McKenzie can kind of be elevated a little bit. He knows this system uh, as well as anyone on this team from being in Buffalo the past few seasons. So you could probably count on him more. You already know that he can be lethal against man coverage. I'm sure that he's been working on his game too against going against zones, where where to sit, what to do. And then Crowder, as you mentioned too, has had a really solid career despite not having a very good quarterback. Uh, now you bring him here and he has Josh Allen. I'm really excited to see what he can do in this offense uh, as long as he can stay healthy. And, you know, he hasn't missed a lot of time, but he does deal with a lot of lower body, core, uh, the, the soft tissue uh, injuries mm-hmm. that might keep you out a week here or there off, uh, off to the side or knock you out of a game. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really interested in the bottom of this roster and a guy like Austin who does a little bit of everything can, Uh, can really carve out a role here in Buffalo, especially if this summer he is the clear-cut top option as punt returner as well. Yeah, and he said that one of the things that's happened in his career the last couple years, former first-round draft pick, um, the cool kind of storyline to it is that the Bills traded out of the pick where the Rams went up to get him. Uh, And he said, uh, he he said thank you to the Bills for allowing him a, a team to come up and trade for him. But it's come full circle for him. He's seen so many different things in the league now. Like he knows what it's like to be that heralded high expectations, first round pick. He also knows what it's like to fight for a roster spot on a practice squad. Cause he's been through so many different situations. He's been the fourth, the fifth, the sixth guy on a depth chart. And now he comes in here on a really elite offense where maybe because there's so much talent around him, they could find a way to use him and, and, and really, elevate the talent that he has in big time spots. It's going to be interesting to see Jameson Crowder made a huge play today and it was, uh, he ended up getting in. He had two plays uh, of note. The first one was a win. He ended up getting past the first level of the defense and it ended up on a one-on-one situation with Jaquan Johnson, who I talked about this on the, the sports bar today. Like, you know, for all that's been made about Poyer and Hyde not being here, man, what an opportunity for some of these younger guys to get a lot of valuable reps. Leslie Frazier said, even said that today, like we get a good, long, hard look at these guys and know what we kind of have in them. Should they ever have to step into an elevator role? Not even with Poyer not being there, Hyde not being there, there's injuries. I mean, these guys are getting older. So even if they're in the mix and everything is good, you know, you have to have the next man up, be ready. And these are these are valuable reps for them this time of year. Uh, Crowder gets out one-on-one with Jaquan Johnson. And Johnson is just, he just, there's nothing he can do at that point. He tried to recover. He couldn't. Crowder made a really good play as he was kind of moving out of, out of bounds. So big time play for Crowder there. Another play got locked up one-on-one with, with Taron Johnson. And those battles, as we get into training camp, Ryan, they're going to be must-see TV. When you are out at St. John Fisher watching these practices, when I'm there covering it, uh, when you're out there covering it, it's going to be so fun to watch because 
Iron sharpens iron, right? We've talked about Taron Johnson and Cole Beasley, the matchups they've had over the years, Isaiah McKenzie to a lesser degree. The ones now with Jamison Crowder are going to be, you're going to just want to like zero in on it. And today, man, Taron Johnson sometimes just reminds you the elite levels that his game can go. And that was one of those plays today. He he glued him up. I mean, Crowder couldn't do anything to get any separation, couldn't lose him, uh, tried to duff a couple different variations in the route. And by the time it happened, it, you could tell that Josh Allen was zeroing, zeroing in on Crowder, wanted to force it into him. He really couldn't, got it out there, pass breaker for Taron Johnson. And that's all she wrote. And we've seen that time and time again from Johnson over his career. Yeah, and you noted it in your column saying it's easy to forget about Taron Johnson, especially when you have so many big names on both sides of the ball. Uh, But Johnson has always been such a solid uh, nickel cornerback, slot cornerback, whatever you want to call it. And he's really carved out a role as one of the best inside cornerbacks in the league. So having Crowder get to go against that day in, day out, that's going to make his life you know, it's, it's going to challenge him during the summer and during uh, leading up to the season. But I think that's going to get him really well prepared for the regular season with some of the slot corners that he'll see on the field. Um, then you mentioned, you know, Jaquan Johnson. Uh, he's flashed at times in his career when he has been on the field, when he's been given opportunities. Maybe it's the final game of the season when they're resting players or whatever the case may be. But it's it's good for him to get these reps, and it's okay that he's beat that he was beat today by a seasoned vet like Crowder, someone who's seen it all, who's done it all, uh, and, and that's going to make him better as well with these reps that he'll be getting now and throughout the rest of the summer uh, in training camp as well. Uh, good question here from Pops Mafia. Any good plays by a tight end today? So two plays of note that I can bring to you. First of all, Dawson Knox, Tommy Sweeney now, both not practicing. They were working off to the side. Uh, they were joined by Spencer Brown, Tommy Doyle, both not practicing today. Isaiah Hodgins and Khalil Shakir still off to the side. I- I'm telling you, man, whether it be uh, OTAs, mini mini camp, training camp, Every year, it seems like at some stage, Isaiah Hodgins is dealing with something. It's like you kind of hope for him that at some point uh, he gets a chance to show what he can do because there's all these like stretches of time where he's just banged up and hurt. Yeah, and that's the tough part because there were high hopes for him despite being a late day three pick. There was some really good talent on tape from his college days, but you're right. It's the health. It's the availability. And we all know how important availability is to this coaching staff, to Sean McDermott especially. And and if he can't get out there on the field this summer, that's probably all, you know, there's probably not going to be much of a future here in Buffalo for him. He might be able to carve out a role in the practice squad, something like that again. But that's going to get harder too, Matt, with so much talent here. They could keep a veteran option there. They could find someone else uh, throughout the summer when cuts are made. Um, so it's really important for Hodgins to, uh, get on the field sooner rather than later to show what he can do. Make sure you're always tuning into these post-practice episodes and not just reading the story, which is also very important. But a lot of times I'll, I'll try to put some nuggets in here that didn't make it into the story. Again, 1400 words, uh, hour after practice, uh, it's tough to jam everything in there, but there was one play from Jared Weidemeyer taking advantage of a, of an opportunity where he made a catch. Wasn't anything spectacular, but ran a good crisp route, got into an open space case Keenum found him, And that connection is, is kind of starting to build here. And you know, you figure if Tommy Sweeney's banged up, if Dawson Knox misses any time in training camp, man, Weidemeyer is going to have a real opportunity to try to make some plays and, and, and make the kind of jump to maybe 
pass over Quentin Morris, who was a uh, um, a favorite of them on the practice squad last year. The other play was um, OJ Howard just not being able to really show the quicks uh, on one of his routes. He got tangled up a little bit with Taron Johnson in coverage. Josh Allen threw it to him, went to the ground because he couldn't get to the ball. And you know, I just in three weeks here, and I know we're still ramping up in terms of these guys getting their you know feet under them. Uh, it's the spring, understanding the play playbook. Not a lot so far from OJ Howard. Yeah, and obviously there's still time there, but uh, he's someone who's his career got started. He got started, you know, off to a fast start in in Tampa, and then the last few years, obviously his role is phased out. Uh, when you have Gronkowski there, and Tom Brady obviously loves going to Gronk, so you, you hope that you know this is just him learning the playbook, putting things together, and. Uh, as the summer goes on, he looks more and more like a viable threat at tight end two, someone that you could play as a big slot at times based on the, the package that you're running. Uh, but then with Weidermeyer, it, it's encouraging that even if he makes a play here and there right now, undrafted free agent, uh, really put up some really solid stat lines in his college career, tested very poorly. There's no denying that leading up to the draft, but the the evidence is there that he can be a reliable guy in the right role. And I'm not saying that he's going to have a huge role in this offense, uh, 2022, even 2023, but the, the longer he's in this system, the more I could see him and ending up being a factor, maybe ultimately climbing as high as tight end number two down the road. Yeah. Tight end is going to be a fu- like a, a fun one to watch this summer. I mean, Dawson Knox, is so, you know, uh, etched in stone there at the top of the depth chart. You know, O.J. Howard, you, you know, expectations are high from him, but there might be opportunity for other guys. And it'll be something that we kind of track here over uh, the next couple months. All right. We, we mentioned it at the top of the store, uh, top of the show. Value Home Centers has a huge contest going on right now. You can enter to win one of uh, 36 uh, $250 gift cards. I mean, whoa, uh, sign me up, right? But also... Sales on sales, man. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. The Weber E210 grill, it is on sale right now. It usually goes for $4.99. It's all the way down to $3.99, $100 off. That is a huge savings on a grill that doesn't normally go on sale. Get to Value Home Centers. You can order one online, pick it up in store, or just head over there and pick one up. You're going to want to get your uh, summer grilling uh, going here uh, as we uh, as we really move into the nice dog days of summer here, Ryan Tell. A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Where do you want to go next, buddy? Uh, you know, how about we answer some questions here in, in the chat? Uh, how is Cook looking in camp? There's a lot of Cook questions, Matt. Anything of note? So, yeah, uh, again, a lot of the stuff that James Cook has been doing is it's like it's it's just ho-hum, right? It's just part of you know, making the routine play, which at times making the routine play is important. You know, a dump off here, you know, a run there. They don't have pads on there so far. So it's, it's hard to, to, to really glean too much from what Cook's done so far. Most of the bigger splash plays I've noticed over the last three weeks have come from Devin Singletary. I'm not surprised. I will say I talked to Aaron Cromer today. Uh, I'm doing a story on him and, uh, you know, the run game and a couple of things like that. And one of the people I asked him about was James Cook. And he said, Obviously, you want good players everywhere, but the strain that it puts on a defense to have a player that can line up anywhere on offense and then run it, that is such a weapon. It takes a lot of the pressure off you know, an offensive line out there trying to block and open up holes when a guy can get kind of schemed up and, and maybe create some of that magic themselves. So I think there's a lot of excitement 
in the building for James Cook. But again, to this point, we just haven't seen enough uh, yet where he's kind of been unleashed in any of those big time plays. Like, trust me, if he hits a, like a long pass play, you'll read about it. Syracuse.com. That's right. Anything on Saran Neal's increased role? Now, uh, he also has said perhaps covering tight ends. I know you can't get into too many specifics, but have you noticed Saran out there? Have you noticed maybe a bigger role in store for him here in 2022? I can't speak to role. I think he's played as much as usual. Like he's pretty featured the last couple uh, OTAs slash camps. I mean, he gets he gets quite a bit of work and and he's a guy that they really like as a depth piece. Uh, Cam Lewis wasn't there today. So obviously, you know, more reps to go around for the group. I think that's why we saw a little bit more Christian Benford and maybe that's where we can go next. But yeah, Saran Neal had a nice pass breakup today on Josh Allen during seven on seven. Uh, he was looking for, yeah, I got the notes, Ryan. Why not go to the notes, you know, when you that's got right. him, go to him. So it was Saran Neal made a great play on Allen was looking for Gentry over the middle and it was a nice pass breakup. Uh, by Saran Neal. So yeah, he's making plays, continuing to be how he is. I know some people are also asking about defensive line. Listen, there's not a lot to talk about when it comes to the line, when there's no pads on, you know, a lot of times defensive linemen in this setting, the 11 on 11 work, they, they kind of peel off at the end. Ed Oliver had one nice, really nice pursuit today, forced Josh out of the pocket and he ended up throwing in. That was the throw. I think he had to, to Crowder, which was really nice. But let's go and talk about Christian Benford because this is an important guy that I think we need to track a little bit. And today was one of those, you know, days for a rookie player that, you know, probably is going to go back, watch some of this tape over the course of tonight and it's tomorrow and into practice tomorrow and be like, man, it it didn't work for me today. And that's okay, right? Like this is a guy, you know, uh, a day three pick who played at Villanova. So subdivision D1 last year. And the the level of competition is going to be a significant jump up here, Ryan. And so he lost out on who I thought was the most electric player on the offensive side of the ball today, Tanner Gentry. Okay, this guy lit it up today. I don't know if he had some special breakfast this morning or what, but Tanner Gentry dropped a ball in seven on seven. And after that, flipped the switch. He didn't drop a ball the rest of practice. He made four like notable plays, one on Benford where he just absolutely lost him. He just, he put him in a blender, got got open, made the play. There was one on a low ball from Case Keenum with uh, OG uh, Elijah Griffin in coverage. Griffin couldn't hang with him. Gentry makes this spectacular low catch, turns around and shouted something back at Griffin. So that exchange, the competitive juices were definitely flowing at that point. But Benford had a couple of plays. There was one play where he was locked on to Isaiah McKenzie on, on kind of like a, a deeper uh, route. McKenzie just ran away from him. And it was kind of an easy play. He tried to make up at the end. Uh, it, he just couldn't. And it was just a tough day for Benford. But like I said, I think these some of these days are going to come. Yeah, and that's just well said. And, and listen, Christian Benford was a late pick. Uh, it's very possible that if he d- can't make the 53-man roster that the Bills can stash him on their practice squad, especially because he played at a lower-level college, like you mentioned, Villanova. Uh, this isn't someone that has a lot of reps against top-tier talent necessarily, uh, where teams might try to poach him. But there's always going to be that level of concern in terms of how long is it going to take someone to get adjusted to the level of competition from where he was at to where he's going now in the NFL against some of these wide receivers. 
And Tanner Gentry has been a practice squad guy for Buffalo. And uh, before Buffalo, I believe he was in one of the XFL, uh, XFL 2.0. I think 3.0 is coming next year. So it's not a superstar, but Benford's still going to have to uh, earn those earn those reps against guys like that before we can even think about taking on some of those premier players that the Bills have at wide receiver. So Benford, it's going to be interesting to, to follow him. The Bills have had some success with those smaller school guys. Taron Johnson, who we were just hyping up uh, very recently. Saran Neal, who we just talked about. Both of those guys came from smaller programs. So Benford, like you said, he could end up having a really nice summer Uh, having some days where he strings some things together, but it's going to be interesting to see because he's not used to playing at a level of competition like this in terms of NFL quality talent day in, day out. I thought Zach Moss, again, not a huge sample size. Devin Singletary, uh, like I mentioned, he's been kind of the standout over OTAs. I don't think a lot of that comes with opportunity, but Zach Moss had one really nice run today, and I want to make sure I made note of it. He looks like he looks he looks healthy. He looks like somebody that's coming in ready to kind of, you know, ratchet up, ratchet up that competition with Devin Singletary over the next couple of weeks. Somebody said uh, recently, "Hey, we need a uh, ratcheted up T-shirt for the Shout Podcast," uh, which listen, that's not a horrible idea. Uh, but Zach Moss had a really nice run today. Uh, anything new on Trey? No, we got an update from Brandon Bean today. He talked about the fact that he's on schedule and he's expecting there's nobody that's going to want to get out on the field during training camp. He can more than Trey White. Uh, so he's on track. No new news to report. Uh, but yeah, I, I would imagine we'll have a better idea of where he sits when we do meet with Brandon and Sean McDermott at the start of training camp. I want to talk about the uh, a bit of a shakeup uh, for the Bills. They announced some promotions, some hires today. Thoughts on the structure now. So to give people a little background, Brandon Bean, uh, his number two assistant GM, has been Joe Shane ever since he, he took over the job. Joe Shane obviously moved on to the New York Giants, is now their general manager. Dan Morgan actually left. He was the director of player personnel. He left before last season even started. They never filled the role. They just kind of had the collection of guy, uh, uh, of gentlemen that they had in the staff from Brian Gain to Terrence Gray, Lake Dawson, uh, Malik Boyd. The whole group kind of like pitch in, right? Well, they announced finally uh, the official titles. And so they gave Brian Gain uh, Joe Shane's job. He's now the assistant general manager. He was serving in a uh, an assistant type of uh, supervisor role. And then uh, he was the general manager in Houston there for for a short stretch he'd spent some time with the bills in the past and then terrence gray who was the assistant director of player personnel he's promoted he now takes dan morgan's old job that has been vacant for a year initial thoughts on the shakeup there uh the executive branch for the bills yeah listen they did their due diligence they interviewed some outside candidates they were denied by one team for an outside candidate but they have so many uh, people in their personnel department, Matt, that I think are future GMs, assistant GMs in this league in general, that it's no surprise that they stayed at home to fill the role of assistant GM with Brian Gain, like you mentioned, uh, had been here before, left for a little bit to uh, be GM of the Texans. He actually was dismissed after what I, I thought was a successful um, you know, season, but then Things obviously in, in Houston have not gone so well since Gain has uh, been fired. And now he's back. He came back to Buffalo and now he's the assistant GM. And I'm sure it's just a matter of time before he'll get an opportunity 
uh, elsewhere, perhaps to become a GM again, and probably in a better situation or scenario than his his first opportunity. Uh, you mentioned Terrence Gray, another guy that I think is really talented at what he does. Um, no surprise that they would promote from within and, and to take over the spot that you mentioned that Dan Morgan had filled for the, the past mm-hmm. few seasons before he went back to Carolina. I spoke into uh, Terrence Gray uh, on a number of occasions, always super impressed the latest in Indianapolis at the combine. And he just exudes talent, right? Sometimes like there's that it factor for people when you start like, you know, you just have a conversation with them and you know, the way that they communicate with people, the way they talk to people, that's really important. And that's what, you know, like what you, like you mentioned, what Brandon Bean has kind of been evaluating through the free agency process, everything like that. Brian Gain moves into a position. Listen, he's been in the GM chair before, right? So I think that there's, you know, kind of probably gave him a bit of a leg up on uh, Gray, who predominantly worked as the head of college scouting for the Bills, who's now going to have a much larger role on the pro side of things. Um, he'll actually still handle, Brandon Bean said he'll still handle, like oversee the college stuff, but it'll be Lake Dawson who ends up getting a little bit more of that responsibility while Terrence Gray transitions to more pro stuff. And it's it's super intriguing the, the way that that all works, right? Like Dan Morgan coming in and the work that he did and that earned him an assistant GM job elsewhere. I think a lot of these these folks, to your point, are going to be plucked over the next couple of years as the Bills, you know, if they especially if they continue to have success. Yeah, and you just mentioned Lake Dawson. I think he interviewed with Carolina a few years ago for uh, uh, maybe the the GM job that was filled uh, with uh, Fitterer there who took uh, mm-hmm. Morgan with him. So he, he's had some opportunities. And again, he'll have more coming his way as well. So th- that front office, the personnel there is among the best, if not the best in the league. A great question here. A lot of numbers on the defensive line. I actually asked Daquan Jones about that today. And we have from Ian St. Andrews on YouTube, any thoughts on the odd man out sort of, so to speak on the defensive line. And there's probably going to be one Ryan, unless they want to keep nine, 10 defensive linemen. Where are you starting in terms of 53 man roster cuts at who you think might have the toughest time to make the roster? Uh, in terms of, oh man, that's that's a tough question, man, because especially because we're so early in the summer uh, mm-hmm. or we're not even really in the summer yet. So I still think that Shaq Lawson is going to have to prove himself. And, and I'm not going with, you know, bottom of the rotation guys. I'm going with guys that could end up having a decent size role here or someone that could be a quote unquote surprise cut. Uh, Shaq Lawson is someone that fits that criteria for me just because the Bills obviously uh, have a lot of youth at that position. If you're looking at one of those youth options, uh, maybe it ends up being um, an AJ Apineza who needs to really prove himself this summer. I'm not saying they would sh- just straight out cut him. Maybe they would try to trade him. Uh, so there's two names right there that I think you really need to have a strong summer to prove that you can be on this roster. Because I think, obviously, Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, those are guys that flashed as rookies last year. You have Von Miller who's going to uh, assert himself as a uh, an important key pass rusher for this team. So then it's, you know, number the number four guy. Who's that going to be? Is it going to be Epinesa? Is it going to be Shaq Lawson? Could it be someone else that we're not even talking about? Who knows? But it's going to be a numbers game at the end of the day because, like you said, there's only so many guys you can carry on this roster. What about you? So, you know, I look at that number and, like, that nine sticks out to you, right? Like, the three young guys, the two uh, veteran edges, and then the four interior players. And then you got guys like Brandon Bryant and Elianku that I think could obviously be in the mix. But 
Uh, by the way, our fifty-three, our next fifty-three-man roster uh, projection will be coming out after minicamp next week. So stay tuned for that. We haven't talked about who's going to do that yet, right? But one of us will get that done for you. I think the way they've set this up, Ryan, is to give those young guys every opportunity to make the roster, to not have too much pressure on them. I mean, had they signed one more vet, had they brought back a Jerry Hughes, that puts an unbelievable amount of pressure on AJ Epinesa at that point. Like he's really got to earn it right to be on the roster. And I think right now, because you have Von Miller and I don't think Leslie Frazier wanted to give away too much today when he was asked about, you know, target or um, snap share and how much they're going to play Von Miller. They want to balance keeping him fresh and, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I still think he ends up playing more than the most has played the last couple of years for the bills. And if that's the case, like you don't have to be in a situation where you have to dress AJ Epinesa if he's struggling or have to dress Boogie Basham if he's struggling. I think both of them have put themselves in, a good situation to for the Bills to want to play him. But I don't think that there's that necessarily that pressure to cut him because I think you can go in at nine. I th- correct me if I'm wrong. I think they took 10 defensive linemen in with them at 53 cuts last year. Yeah, I, I think they did go very heavy on the defensive line uh, early on in the season and, and go with 10. So it, you're right. It, it's not a guarantee that they're going to uh, change that up this year and, and go with a smaller number. But 10 is a lot. Uh, across the board but the counterpoint to that is Sean McDermott has always going even back to his Carolina days as defensive coordinator uh, been big on rotating players keeping guys fresh so that kind of speaks to uh, keeping that extra guy or two around to help and, and ensure that everyone's you know good to go late in a fourth quarter game when you need to stop and you need a big play we forgot about the legendary Vernon Butler the Bills kept 11 defensive linemen last year. And I think knowing that they've gone so heavy on the defensive line before and like, listen, having a guy like Von Miller, you don't have to do that anymore, right? They kept six defensive ends. They had Hughes, Addison, the three young guys and Effie Obata, who was kind of that like in between uh, uh, type of guy that could play interior out uh, exterior. So we'll see how it goes, but I, I think it's a fun topic to discuss. I think it's a little bit more boring than years past because the numbers just aren't as daunting. I think you get a lot of these veteran fringe roster guys on the practice squad. And now with the 16 number practice squad kind of staying intact, that's just a huge benefit for these teams. I think they signed Matt Barkley to be the practice squad quarterback, right? Like, I mean, am I off base saying that? Like, I think Case Keenum's going to be the backup. They're going to roster two quarterbacks and they'll put Matt Barkley on the practice squad where he spent the majority of his season last year between a couple teams. Yeah, and, and that does make perfect sense because you only have so many roster spots. Uh, I don't think it was a mistake that we forgot about Vernon Butler, by the way. He didn't really do anything to make us remember him during his stint here in Buffalo by any stretch of the imagination. But no, uh, I don't think you're off base whatsoever on Barkley. I think he's a very valuable practice squad uh, quarterback. He has a lot of experience, a lot of reps in this league. He's someone's going to help. Uh, those practice squad players come along, uh, come, you know, develop a little bit. He's going to be really good in terms of scout team and things like that during the week as well. And I saw someone say it sounds like another ho-hum day from the linebackers. You did mention that uh, in mm. your observations, Bernard. So why don't you go ahead and take that? Terrell Bernard. Again, I, I really want to let this, you know, point marinate a little bit so people can kind of get a good grasp of it. They're not practicing in pads, right? So to evaluate the line when they're kind of, peeling off the quarterback and not really making contact with the runners, it's really hard to do. And it's it's kind of the same thing with the linebackers unless they're in coverage. Uh, one play in particular today, you just saw 
Terrell Bernard get downhill and flash some of that speed, that awareness, got off of his block, uh, which it was like a 50-50 block. I mean, it's like, you know, put your hands on there and then you drop them. Um, but he got downhill and got got on Devin Singletary really quick and flashed that speed. And that's kind of what you want to see from him, a guy that's going to be hovering around in that uh, at that second level. And they're going to be asking him to make plays. When he's got to cover, there's, they're going to ask him to cover. When they want him to get downhill and, you know, get after running backs, he's got to do that too. And he's got to finish hard. Thought it was interesting that Matthew Smiley today brought up Balon Specter. Didn't talk too much about him, but was talking about some of the depth that they have. And he was one of the first names that he mentioned. And the more and more I look into that guy, the more and more I think, man, he does he he's going to find himself a home on special teams. I just I can just tell that that's how he's kind of wired. Uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, what's your prediction for Poyer next year and next week at mandatory minicamp? Well, prediction for Poyer, I think he's there. Uh, I, I kind of went back and forth on that when I was on uh, the sports bar this week. I said, you know, it, fines can kind of go into a play at those ma- mandatory parts or camps. Uh, but if you do agree to a new deal, sometimes those fines magically go away and you don't end up paying them. But I think at the same time, he could show up. He doesn't have to do much at these mandatory uh, practices, but he can be there and just kind of go through, do what he has to do, uh, and kind of make sure he avoids the fines, but lets them know, listen, I, you know, I'm not going to risk my body. I'm not going to risk an injury here until I have that peace of mind, whether it's more money here in 2022, whether it's extending him out a year or two after this, whatever the case may be. Uh, and the two sides may be trying to, uh, get together and reach a point that they can both agree to. What about you? I'm right there with you. I, I think he ends up showing up. We'll see. Uh, it, it's it's the kind of thing that I know Poyer historically has been a guy that wants to limit distractions, right? And, you know, maybe maybe not showing up for mandatory minicamp when we've seen DK Metcalf not show up for it. Maybe that's the kind of message he feels, him and his team feel they need to send. But I, I have a feeling it'll kill him to miss it. Again, that's no inside information. I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. We'll, we'll kind of wait and be at practice next week and we'll tweet it out and people re- will react to it. So we'll see. Speaking of, uh, you know, you, you said peace of mind, right? You know, giving, giving you some peace of mind. You know what gives you peace of mind, Ryan Talbot? What's that? Shopping at, shopping at Value Home Centers. Mm-hmm. Customers can shop anytime at valuehomecenters.com. They can buy online, pick up today, or find a huge selection of products that ship to their local store from their warehouse for free. Also, Text VALUE, V-A-L-U, to 80692. You'll join their text program. You'll receive a $10 off $40 coupon. Plus, you'll be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. Final word, Ryan Talbot. Final word, you know, CB, how is Josh looking? Not a question you have to ask anymore. Josh Allen is a superstar. That's one thing that, you know, Training camp, preseason, we'll go into the Josh Allen talk. We'll make sure that Bills fans uh, hear everything about his day at those kind of reps during the summer. But right now, don't worry about Josh. He's he's throwing the ball uh, to his guys with accuracy. He's making plays every day. He looks like that MVP candidate that he is. Yeah, for sure. Um, Rick, thank you for noticing. I'm always working on the transitions. <laughs> It's part of the it's part of the experience here on Shout at Buffalo Football Podcast. Thank you so much to all of you that make this possible day in, day out, week in and week out. We will be back next week. Big mini camp. We'll wrap up the offseason program uh, in a big way. We're trying to line up some guests. If you have any ideas, anybody you'd like to have us have on, leave it in the comment section on the video. DM me on Twitter. Email me. Whatever is the easiest. We'll be back 
next week. Have a great week, everybody. Enjoy it. Treat yourself. Add the value. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.